Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for today's conversation. And welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio. This is Pastor Keith Radke here with my good friend and partner in ministry at Redemption Hill Church, Pastor Steve Pearson. How are you doing today, sir? What's up, brother? How are you? I'm doing well. You avoided the question. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I could do without some of the snow. But oh, uh, yeah. I tell you what. This morning. Yeah. It is, uh, it is always funny to me. It, in Utah, you just never know what you're going to get for weather. I mean, we do have four seasons, and there are certain times of each season where it's just, this is really nice. Like, this, yeah. this is definitely spring. This is definitely fall. But the winter is the weirdest one. Because yeah. we can go for weeks and weeks, and it's it's it must spring must be here. The tulips That's are right. starting to push up, and then we get dumped on with just feet of snow and and That's traffic right. jams and just everything that goes. And with the it. And, and the worst is just this. It's like you wash your car, and then you go drive in the snow, and all of a sudden it's a you got a dirty car, and the thing can never stay clean through the winter. <laughs> yeah, I usually don't wash my car between Thanksgiving and Easter. You know, I just, just kind of let it go. <laughs> well, Keith, speaking of keeping things clean, <laughs> we got a great topic today, huh? Yes, we do. You know, last time we talked about the legacy of uh, the Reverend Billy Graham, who went to be with the Lord about two weeks ago. And in the message of the gospel, that also presents the question, like, how do we get right with God? And and one of those questions deals with the 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 topic of purity, of being clean before God, you know, that our, our record is not clean. That's right. You know, when you, when you think about it in legal terms, like before God, if you, if you have told one lie, if you had one angry thought, you know, one lustful look, it doesn't matter who you are or how good you seem to have it all together. It takes one event and now your record is tainted. That's right. That's right. So how do we clean that up? How do we get right with God? How do we get how can we be clean before God? You know, here's the thing. If you're a Christian and you're listening, you're going to get this. If you just happen to be tuning in and you're a non-believer, this kind of might be foreign foreign territory for you. But let me start by saying this. Humanity is broken. and They're, they're really broken from within. There's right. something that, that, you know, sin is not just this outward thing of evil that we look at. We like to look at the outside of, you know, the world and we go, wow, look, look how bad things are. Things are evil. Sin and in, in what you see outwardly is a byproduct of what comes out of the heart of man, right? There, there isn't anything outside of just the, the, the mere fall of creation. The evil that we see proceeds from within out of the heart of man is what Jesus said. Right. And, and so when we start talking about just this pervasiveness of evil and wickedness and, and what it's doing to society and culture— it's very uncomfortable for man to turn inward and mm-hmm. think that he is the product of that, that or he, right. he, he, he's the producer of, of that evil. And so I think where you start is first realizing that there is something inside of the person who's listening, inside of you, inside of me, that can't make itself right. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a busted thing where there's no part for it. It's a right? mortal wound. It's, it's a mortal wound. And here's the thing. It's like anything, we have this tendency, anytime something breaks, we go online and we're looking for the replacement part, right? right. Where's the replacement part? Where, where's, the, 
where's the cheap thing that I can do to fix this? And and I think humanity does the same thing, not knowing is they, they sense the brokenness mm-hmm. in their heart and they're looking for the peace to fix it. So they're looking for the relationship. They're looking for, you know, money, the career. They're looking for all these parts, but nothing can fix the brokenness inside right. the heart. And right. so, and I think that's what, what Job was alluding to in Job 14, 4, where he said, can something that's cl- unclean bring out of it something that's clean? And he said, who can do that and he goes on and says no one can do that right so so i think the place you start is you realize keith if you have something that's broken and and it's been discontinued and there's no more parts for it what do you do uh, you get duct tape and bailing wire <laughs> and uh, and you you jiggy rig it <laughs> you got to replace it with something that's new the correct answer is you got to replace it and what people are failing to realize <laughs> is that you can't fix the sin-stained, broken heart. They need a new heart. That's right. And and so where we would say is the first part, the first place a person starts is realizing it's it's a discontinued item yes. that is holiness in the sin-stained heart. It can't it can't occur on its no, own. No, it can't. Something else has to be replaced. And I think that's where the conversation must begin. Well, this makes sense in a medical uh, you know, in medical terms, when we have a cancer or a sickness, that cancer has to be cut out, that, uh, you know, sickness has to be quarantined, you know, because of the of the the deathly impact that it has when it's allowed to spread or to come into contact with others. You know, when, when there's a fire, what do they do? They do what they have to to contain the fire, right? Mm. Because that fire can spread and destroy other things. And sin is the same way in us. It, it cannot, it cannot it cannot be allowed to continue existing and us simultaneously be right with God. It just, it just doesn't work. Something's right. going to get burned. Something's going to get sick. Something's going to die. And not that these things negatively affect God, but it's that we cannot come into the presence of God in that defiled state, right. in that unclean state. And so when we use the terminology of clean, it's acknowledging that our, that our sin is like that sickness that is just infecting. It's that mortal wound that it's inevitable. We're going to die and there's a decay in the process, mm. and and that's a horrible thing. I mean, you just, yep. I mean, you think of the kind of trash that we throw away in our home, right? There's certain things that go in the kitchen trash, right? But there's other things, and we're just not going to mention those things. They go straight outside. That's because right. Because if they're allowed to sit for an hour in your kitchen, your kitchen's going to smell pretty foul. <laughs> and that's the same thing. It's like if we're allowed with our sinful hearts to 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 just kind of strut into the presence of God and say, look, God, here I am. You know that's foul. That's stinky, and and we need, like you said, we don't we don't need a heart reconditioning. We need a heart transplant. That's right. And the frustration that all of us who are Christians, and even those who are non Christians to some extent, the frustration that we feel when when we're trying to you know we in in the in the in the Christian vernacular we would say we're trying to do good we're right. we're, we're trying to do better we're we're really striving you know to to please God and the 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 continual frustration that comes along with that as we are in our mind thinking that somehow a clean heart is coming through the efforts as we learn our lessons and we pick up the pieces and we learn our lessons that somehow we are the ones that are participating in that. It's just not right theology. Mm. And, and here's why, Keith. Um, when you think of, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a very powerful psalm and has incredible 
theological statement in it yeah. that just goes to the core of our issue. And and the backdrop to that is is we know King David um is is has sinned with Bathsheba, right? right. And and he's tried to cover that sin by, you know, as after he impregnated her, he, he tried to cover that sin by bringing her husband back from the war. And, and he, you know, he wanted to set up a, a reunion with them and that didn't work. So he kind of got him drunk and that didn't work. And so he thought, well, last ditch effort, I'll send him back to the war. I'll put him on the front lines. I'll send a letter, have the, have the troops pull back and have him killed. And then I'll just go down and take his wife as my own. And then the baby is obviously ours and problem solved, right? And so Sounds he, like a typical Hollywood movie. <laughs> exactly, right? And so he does this and he's probably thinking, you know, when he gets the letter back, yeah, Uriah is dead. He's thinking, okay, well, all is good. And then he gets the, the, the of course, the... The knock on the door from Nathan the prophet, and Nathan gives him the story about you know the, this man who came in and he had you know he had he's a wealthy man he had a bunch of sheep he took his own sheep instead of you know he he went and took his neighbor's sheep who had this one pet sheep instead of his own and and you know and David got furious oh yeah he was he yeah was like kill the guy yeah and so and then Nathan looks at him he goes but you're the man you know mm-hmm. and then and then David of course you know says man I've sinned you know right. and and then Nathan's like God's put away your sin you know and then as Nathan leaves. David picks up a pen and paper, for a lack of a better term, and he writes the words of Psalm 51. And mm. I got to tell you, as he writes these, think of a man who is guilty of adultery, a man who is guilty of murder, a man who has tried to cover everything up through deceit and lies. And here are the words of a man whom Scripture says is a man after God's own heart. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Verse 3, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Then he says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Keith, here is what I find fascinating about this. The word create there is the same word that's used in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right. And we have a Latin term to describe the, 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 the nucleus of that creation, and it simply means to create something out of nothing, right? And what David is saying is he uses the same word is God creates something in me that's not there. Something that doesn't exist. Something that doesn't exist, a clean heart. How does God do that? That is fascinating because most of us start with the premise that we're decent and good people. God, clean it up, right? right? Find the broken pieces to the broken part and fix what's broken. But he starts somewhere different. He says, it ain't even there. There's nothing for you to work with, God. And, And that to me, when you start to have that perspective, Keith, let me ask you, how would that change your approach and your interaction to the King of Kings when he starts to unfold these things in your life? And what what is his end game in all that as he interacts with you? Hmm. Well, I think the first thing for me is it realizes I it makes me realize I have no one to blame, right? You know, John talks about in First John about there are those who say they have no sin, you know, hmm. and and if you say you have no sin, essentially you're pointing your finger at God and calling God a liar. You know, because we have all sinned, as Paul says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And so when when I'm faced with this, I see David taking ownership of his own condition, hmm. right? He doesn't blame his parents. He doesn't blame right. uh, Bathsheba. He doesn't blame the circumstances surrounding his specific sin. He doesn't blame 
his his history, right? I mean, there's so many, mm-hmm. and, and, and we're so good at that. Like, we're yep. so good at deflecting responsibility and blame from ourselves and finding someone else or some other reason why we did what we did or we neglected to do what we should have done. And he begins with owning that, but he also begins, and this is the thing that kind of shows us where we're all at. He says, have mercy on me. Yes. Like, Lord, withhold what I deserve. Hmm. So he owns the fact that he's a sinner. He owns the fact that he deserves judgment. And he comes to the Lord and he appeals and says, have mercy on me. And, and, and that's kind of the difference between mercy and grace. Like grace gives us unmerited favor, right? We have, we have earned something from God, but not by any works of our own. It, it, was, it was given to us as a gift because of what Christ did. Whereas mercy is saying, you know, I, I deserve this judgment. I deserve this punishment. I deserve condemnation. Lord, take that away from me. You know, have mercy on me. Give me mercy. And and I want to I want to communicate this. Be careful when we come to the Lord asking for mercy, because when we ask Him for mercy, we have to remember that story that Jesus told about the man who owed a small debt. That's right. And he goes to the king and he says, "Have mercy on me. I can't pay the debt." And the king gives him mercy. And then he walks out the door and he finds his brother who owes him, and he says, "Pay me what you owe." And the king finds out, and he says, I showed mercy to you. And That's you right. went out there, and you threatened this guy within an inch of his life over some petty debt. Have you forgotten what I've forgiven you of? And, and when we come to him in mercy, what we're saying is, I understand what I deserve. I'm taking ownership of this, and Lord, please, please don't give me what I deserve. And then that needs to turn around when we walk out the door from the presence of the Lord, and we need to start showing mercy to other people. That's right. Let's, let's tease that out a little bit more. Yeah, let's do that. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and Keith Radke. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for the conclusion of today's conversation. So we're talking about how to have a clean heart before God. And here in Psalm uh, chapter 15, uh, 15, sorry, a little backwards there, <laughs> Psalm 51. Turn your Bible around. And turn upside your, down. That's right. I knew something was different about this Bible. Um, Psalm 51, David has just, just been wrecked by a major sin in his life that he took responsibility for. He had to be called out on it. I mean, that's mm. crazy. And think of the mercy of God in that. You know, the mercy mm. of God to send a prophet and to say, let me tell you about your sin. Now, I'm going to just say, I'm really glad that God doesn't do that with me. <laughs> Amen, man. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't send a prophet to say, hey, dude, you sinned. And by the way, you need to write about it. <laughs> it's like David was a unique fellow. But but what you have here is you have a merciful God who will do whatever it takes to bring us to that place where we see, I have sinned, and I've sinned against God. You know, mm. I alone bear the responsibility. I alone deserve the punishment. I am unclean. Have mercy on me. I love this, and here's why. If you look at David's life post-Nathan post interaction, yes. right, you see a different person, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus would say this, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, right? What happened in David's life after this event? This is the guy who had Shimei running alongside the road cursing at him, right? Which which under any other circumstances, you know, you cursing the king, you're you're dead. And right. what's he say to his to, to his to his men? 
leave him alone, maybe God sent him. He, this is the guy who had his son take his throne, Absalom, take his, his, his wives, and what does he do? He leaves out the back door. Mm-hmm. In any other circumstance, you're, that, that's an insurrection. You're, you're dead. You see a man who is broken and yeah. who realizes just the impact of what he says when he says, against you only have I sinned. Now, is, is that true? Of course not. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. Bathsheba. You know, he, he, he sinned against all the people that, that, that believed in him. And, right. and you know, of, of course, he's not the only one that you know, he sinned against. But here's what he recognized. He recognized his primary source of offense was against the God who had given him all things. Right. And, and, and he went there. And what was, what was the byproduct of that? God gave him mercy. And here's what I love about this. In my own life, I've, I've been in these situations, and, and, and they're uncomfortable, but, but I'll tell you something. Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says this, He who seeks to cover his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them shall mm. find mercy. And, and there's something in that that is powerful, and, and I'll tell you, I think David tapped into that, to that reservoir. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's really interesting to see the difference in his response, because nobody would have questioned David had he had Shimei cut down or if he had, you know, his own son, his, the insurrectionist, you know, uh, put on trial and, and, and hung or something of that nature. But instead he looks within and he says, I am, I am not a person who's, who can give right judgment. That's right. I'm a person who has really messed up. I am not, I am not unbiased in this matter. I'm not, a, I'm not without guilt myself. And we've talked about this before, like how the, you know, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament required the priests to go in and offer sins for themselves. That's right. First. Like you can't come before God on behalf of somebody else if you ain't right with God. It That's just right. it doesn't work that way. And these guys would have to get right with God, you know, on that ceremonial level before they could come and approach God on behalf of others. And and in that, in verse sixteen of Psalm, uh, Psalm fifty one says, "For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And it just seems to me like the wound of his sin that he had afterwards was that brokenness. It was a good wound. That's right. It, it was kind of like Jacob's limp. It was it was something that continually to remind him. Even even Peter, uh, Paul would talk about a thorn in his flesh, right? That's right. Or, or I bear in my body the marks of Christ. You know, it's it's something to remind us that we are broken, mm-hmm. that we we must choose humility for ourselves because God will humble us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and we are not in the place to judge others. We are in a place to to seek God's mercy for ourselves and then in turn to give mercy. That's right, Keith. And I'll tell you, you know, the psalmist says that blows that hurt cleanse evil. Yeah. Right. And and here's the reality: if any human being decides he wants to pick up the gavel of judgment to slam down on somebody else, that human being better first be willing to judge himself. Mm. Because scripture would say in Matthew 7, 2, whatever measure you give out, it will be measured back to you. Right. Here's the reality of Psalm 51. How does God create the clean heart? And we looked at this briefly last Sunday at Redemption Hill. You know, 
God, God's spirit convicts us, Keith. Yes. He convicts us before we sin. He convicts us after we sin. In both cases, his conviction is to draw us to the cross. Before we sin, go to the cross. He's all that you need. After we sin, go to the cross. He's all that you need, right? And, and here's, what, here's what happens, Keith. Conviction always holds the hand of repentance, right? right? I mean, the, the, the two are inseparable. That ongoing ethic of repentance cannot be separated conviction from conviction because you can't convict yourself. Right. The Holy Spirit is given to convict us of sin. And when we sin, then we repent. And listen, Keith, here's the fascinating thing. That's what creates the clean heart. Yeah. Because it ain't there, right? It's, it's now we agree with God. Now we get it. And here's what I want to encourage our listeners with. Folks, that is an ongoing process throughout our whole life where God is creating the clean heart until the day he delivers up his creation in this life to the King of Kings. And you stand before the Lord and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. Well, it is is an incredible relief to know that we don't have to pay for our sins. Amen. Because our sins are too much. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished for good. You know, last week we spoke of Billy Graham. Billy Graham needed his sins forgiven. That's right. You know, you think of, well, how, how, how could someone like Mother Teresa or how could someone like this evangelist or that Christian or my grandmother, you know, right. you know, it's because we're all born with that mortal wound of a sin nature and we are predisposed to, to sin and to offend God's holiness and his righteousness and we are by nature, the the uh, Paul says, we are by nature enemies. We're by nature at war with God. That's right. And and we need a Savior. And Jesus is the one who has come. He came to earth. He died for our sins. He bore the penalty. You know, uh, Isaiah says that our the chastisement for our peace was placed upon Him. Like the the punishment for us to have peace with God was given to Jesus. So that way, by faith, we could call in the name of the Lord, we could be saved from our sins, we could be forgiven, and we could begin to walk in that place of assurance. My sins are forgiven. I am clean before the Lord. And now, on an ongoing basis, it, there's there's power in confession before the Lord, confessing our sins to God and saying, God, I need to be made new in this area. You know, I, I don't think it's a small thing to say that I need my heart cleaned on a regular basis and I need a new clean heart. Like, I, I love the way that you put that at the beginning of the program. You said, you know, we've got, God's got nothing to work with inside of us. He's got to make right. something new That's inside right. of us. And, and what a prayer, Lord, make me new, you know? And then, mm-hmm. and how does he, how does he finish up his thought? He says, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit, then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. It's like, right. once you once you fix my life, Lord, then let my life be something that brings other sinners to that's, you. That's right. And notice he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, not mm-hmm. my salvation. Yeah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I just want to make a plea to the listeners that listen you know, if you're in this, if you're in this condition where you're, you're constantly just bogged down with guilt and and tormented because of the condition of your heart and wondering why aren't why am I still struggling with this? Why aren't I there? Why aren't I at this certain place that I think I should be? Understand that if you're a believer in Christ, God is in the process of creating something that's not there. That's right. And Job said. You can't bring something yourself clean out of something that's not clean. No man can do it. God's doing it. That's right. Well, as we conclude this program, Psalm 51 
Verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I want to encourage you as we encourage ourselves that when we pray a prayer like that, God is faithful to his word. Hmm. He will answer that prayer. And by the power uh, of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice of Jesus for us on the cross, you and I both can have a clean heart before God. We can walk in the joy of his salvation and we can be a light for the cause of Christ to others. That is really good news. Amen. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastors Steve and Keith. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church located in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.